0: The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Are you doing good? Are you sure you're doing good? How's everybody doing this morning? Very good. Well, you look good, you sound good, and uh, I'm excited to be here. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Story City Church. I don't know if you know this or not. I just thought about this about 10 minutes ago as I'm worshiping with you guys. Um... We're about three weeks away. No, we're about four weeks away from being a one-year-old church in our city, and uh, I just want you to look around at what God's doing here, and it's it's incredible and it's cool, and I really believe the best is yet to come. There's some exciting things going on in our church right now that we can't even share with you, and hopefully we'll share very soon. But uh, God is good and he's doing a great work. Hey, uh, if you're new here, thank you for for, for giving us an hour or so. Uh, We we really believe um, that this hour is valuable to all of us in our city and we wanna be very specific and targeted as to how we spend our time here and we go out of our way to welcome you and to make you feel welcome. And so if you've not been around the last couple weeks or last week, we started a brand new series called Reset. Uh, This is the time of year when people begin to think about uh, a change in life, a change of perspective, and we thought we would spend four to five weeks. Last week I didn't get through my sermon, so I'm going to continue it today, and so we're going to bump the series from four to five weeks. And, and really really, our thought process in our sermon series over the next uh, couple weeks is this. Um, as we're thinking about a change in life vocationally, spiritually, physically, financially, uh, we, we really want to take the perspective of Scripture. What does Scripture say if... We're in this process of, uh, and in this season of life when we're beginning to think about a change. And how do we do that? Because there's a lot of conventional wisdom out there that can speak into our life about our jobs, about our money, about our health, about our spiritual life. But really, when it really, we just boil it all down, the scripture really is the best instruction for us. So today, if you've got a copy of the scriptures and God's word, I want to encourage you to turn to Genesis chapter one. We're going to spend most of our time there this morning. If you don't have a Bible after the service at the connect table, uh, we'd love to give you a Bible and we give it to you free. If you have one, you just didn't bring it today. Well, bring it next week. All right. And, uh, but if you don't feel free to grab one at the connect table this morning, let me pray for us. And then we're just going to jump right in to our scripture today. Jesus, your good father, and God, you are the giver of so many good gifts, and work being one of those. God, I pray that you would focus our time, our eyes, our mind, our thoughts over the next few minutes as we open the scripture. God, would you give us clarity in our thinking and our processing as you speak to us through your words. And God, we declare and acknowledge in this moment that the most important words that are spoken during this time and in these moments are the words that we will read from the pages of scripture. And so God, in that, we commend to you and we ask you to speak. And everybody in the Colony Theater said, amen, amen. Amen. Growing up, my dad... Had a lot of pastor friends. Um, He was not a pastor. He was a mechanic by trade, but he had a lot of friends who were in the ministry and were pastors. My dad died when I was 21. And after he died, one of his pastor friends came up to me and he said, "Um, There was one Sunday when your dad came up to me after a service and he said something to me that stuck with me. And I just can't get it out of my mind. It's been years since he said it, but I still think about it to this day. And he said, Your dad came up to me and he said, Pastor, can you show me where in the Bible it says that we should retire? <laughs> and uh, he said, it's, it's just because I can't answer that question. And, and that pastor ended up um, working literally until the day he died. And um, some days that question haunts me because I come from a blue-collar family. I don't know how many of you guys come from a family that was blue-collar, and you worked hard, you worked all day, and then you worked again, and you got up and you did it again. That's the type of family I came from. My dad worked until his health could not uh, allow him to work anymore. He had cancer, and when he found out he had cancer, he went in the hospital, and that was the last day he worked. My grandfather worked until he was in his late 70s. He literally fell off the back of a wrecker, and he hit his head on a concrete block, and it was the onset of dementia. He He worked until he went into the nursing home. My grandmother, she worked until she had a stroke. My other grandmother worked until she found out she had cancer. My mom is 66. She's still working to this day. I just come from a working class family. I don't know if anybody can identify with that. But but, but some days, that question haunts me. Because on my worst days, I just want to pack it up. (laughs) I want to go to the beach, I want to buy a house where nobody knows me, nobody knows my name, and I just want to retire. Anybody identify with that thought in that process? I would imagine most of us in this room are not at the age and at the point in the stage of life where you are retirable, but I would imagine most of us in this room probably have already had our thoughts in that direction and how we can speed it up. And in, and in my worst days, I had this thought that, that work feels more like a curse than it does a blessing. Can you identify with that? Does work ever feel like more like a curse than it does a blessing to you? You know, um, the old Greeks thought that work was a punishment that was placed on us by the Greek gods. And we know from the writings of Homer that, that, that the Greek gods apparently hated men. And part of their punishment towards men, it was divine punishment, that, that they would institute work. And so this old way of thinking, this old Greek way of thinking, that was that work was a form of punishment. And in 2017, I, I, I just imagine, as I look across the landscape, I think there's a renaissance of that Greek thinking. Like work is a form of a curse, like it's instituted by a God in the Bible of a different time, and we should do everything we can to escape that curse. And on my worst days, I would say, gosh, I agree. But I think if we open up scripture and as we start a brand new year, some of you guys are starting brand new jobs. Some of you guys are thinking about a brand new job. Some of you guys are thinking, why am I still in this job? Some of you are thinking, I wish I had a new job. I really would like for us to to take just a few minutes this morning and open up the scriptures and see from the book of Genesis what God really says about work. Like, why is it that we work and what's the motivation for it? And so if you got a copy of God's Word this morning, Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26, I really want to give us a, a big-picture perspective of what the Scripture says about why we work. Now, stick with me, because I think the, 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 it's going to speed up near the end of the message today. But just hang with me just for a moment, all right? Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26, God says this, Let us make man in our image. Uh, if you've been around church for a while, if you've ever read your book, your Bible— uh, this is a passage that makes sense to you. And typically you think about this passage in terms of creation. But I want to I I speak to you um, in a different light this morning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, and let us make man in our image. Okay, this is very important there. Let us, it implies um, it implies more than something singularly, even though when we think about the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we think of a singular unit. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, And then let them rule over the fish of the seas, over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So I have a thought, and I want to kick us off, and and I want to try to answer this question, why do we work? And I think the first answer there, as we look at Scripture holistically, is that we work because we display, in our work, we display the likeness of God created in in, in us. So apparently from Genesis chapter 1, when God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, there's this thought process that the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit um, um, had a, a thought that somehow in creation that we would demonstrate and display God's very likeness. So evidently, if, if we are to be a worker, then part of what's true of God's nature is that God is also a worker. And so when we look at the totality of Scripture, we understand that God is a worker. We understand that Jesus is a worker. We understand that the Holy Spirit is a worker. Now let, me, let me just take just a second and try to break that down for you, okay? God is a worker. We see the work of God over and over in Scripture. We see this idea. We see this terminology. But, but it plays out in a lot of different categories. First of all, we see the work of God in creation, Um, I think my schedule is pretty busy most days. You probably think your schedule is busy most days. But when I think about the work of God in creation, I'm like, that's a lot of work. God's pretty busy. The scripture said God worked six days, and then he took a day off. We think about the work of God in creation. We think about the work of God in his providence, the scripture talks about. We use this big word providence. Essentially, what we are talking about is that God has the ability to interact and intersect everyday life in his creation, from the stars to your job to everyday interactions with your kids. The providence of God is is an aspect of God's work. When I think about my busy schedule, I'm like, there's seven billion people on the planet, and part of God's work is that he interacts with everybody. He has the ability to step in. That's part of the work of God and creation, in his providence. We also see the work of God in his sustaining. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says that he sustains all things by his powerful word. Again, um, uh, um, just a, a magnanimous um, aspect of God's work, and these things are, are, are just beyond our comprehension. Scripture affirms that God is a worker. It also says that God is at work in judgment. We read the scriptures. We see the flood. We see the destruction of the temple. We see the destruction of Jerusalem. We understand there's going to be a a great white throne judgment according to scripture. We see that God's going to destroy it all and restore all things into a beautiful brand new place. That's part of his work in judgment. We also see the work of God in redemption. Redemption is is a term that we understand where God initiates salvation for us. He is in the process of life changing. God is a worker. Then we see through scripture that Jesus is a worker. Now bear with me, bear with me because it's going to speed up here in just a minute. Jesus is a worker. John 9, 4 says, I must do the works of my father, Jesus said. He said, I must work the works of my Father. John five seventeen says, my Father is working still, and I am working. Jesus was at work in creation, according to John chapter 1. Jesus, I mean, John says all things were made by Jesus. Just practically, when we look at the life of Jesus, he spent the majority of his teenage years and his latter adult years, you remember what he did? He was a carpenter. He was a carpenter, and then he spent just the last few years of his life in the work of the ministry and preaching the kingdom and and, and demonstrating compassion, working miracles, talking about the coming kingdom, talking about the present kingdom. So we see God as a worker, Jesus as a worker, and then finally we see the Holy Spirit as a worker. Um, When we understand the work of creation, we understand the Holy Spirit was over the waters of creation according to the book of Genesis 1. We see that The Holy Spirit is the agent by which creation came into being, and we also see that the Holy Spirit is involved in the works of judgment and redemption. So here's the idea. The first thought, why do we work? Because we display the likeness of God when we work. From Scripture, we understand that God is a tireless, inexhaustible, eternal worker. And part of his plan in creation now is that he would make us in his likeness. He would would give us this virtue by nature of his own virtue that work is part of who he is and by, by consequence, it's part of who we are as well. So part of our work is that we display the likeness of God. That was God's design according to Exodus chapter 20. God created in six days, he took a rest. That was God's design. That's how God worked and then by nature, he bestows that on us as well. Being made in the image of God implies that just as God is a worker, so we are too. I'm sure that's probably not an extraordinary motivator for many of you in this room, but it's got to set up the next place that we want to go, okay? So the first thought is that we display the likeness of God in our work, but here's the second reason. The second reason is that, is that in our work, we satisfy God's original commission to man, Okay? We satisfy God's original commission to man. So if if you have been around a while, you may have this thought that work is actually part of the curse of the fall of man, of of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. And and you may even think, because you've read Genesis chapter 3, that work is the curse because of what they did But when we rightly read Scripture, we understand that that was a Greek way of thinking. Like like work, according to the Greeks, was a form of punishment by God. But Scripture gives us something altogether different. Work was originally God's charge to humanity. Work existed before Adam and Eve ate the fruit and and all of creation um, went crazy. The curse of Genesis 3 was, 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 was not that, that work would be introduced. Now, I want you to understand this because it's important. The curse of Genesis 3 after, we, after man had fallen was not that work would be introduced, but that the nature of our work would now be different. The nature of our work would now be different. So, so, so let me just unpack this real quick, okay? L- listen to what happened in, in Genesis 1. We've already read verse 26, now verse 28. God blessed them and said to them Be fruitful and increase That's work Fill the earth and subdue it That's work Rule over the fish in the sea And the birds in the sky And over every living creature that moves on the ground That's work Verse 29 Then God said I give you every seed bearing plant On the face of the whole earth And every tree that has fruit with seed in it They will be yours for food Now we're going to unpack this And this is so good and all and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. Now listen to what God says after he has established this rhythm in creation. Listen to what God calls it. He says in verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and he said it was what? Very hmm. I, I know we have a perspective that, that can't see into a different realm here we live in a post fall perspective what i mean by that is that the world was different than it is now it was different in genesis 3 it was as we now know it than it was in genesis 1 and 2 and before genesis end of genesis 2 where adam and eve took the forbidden fruit i want you to just imagine what's happening in this scenario what's imagining in the world in all of creation right there's there's no relational dysfunction there's no dysfunction between God and man. But, 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 but for our perspective this morning, there's no dysfunction in all of creation. Okay? Let me tell you what I mean by that. There are no storms. There are no storms to disrupt creation. There's no weeds to choke out creation. Um, there's no decay to limit the growth of creation Like we know, we understand that now. Post fall, we understand everything is dying. My hair is getting gray, it's falling out, it's growing in my ears. Um, Everything is decaying as we know it. But before Adam and Eve took the forbidden fruit, that was not the case. Food just grew. Um, Adam and Eve didn't have to tend to it. I'm sorry, they didn't have to to, to make sure that it would grow. They didn't have to plow the ground. They didn't have to sow the seed. Creation was perfect as it was given, and it just grew. And so God's charge to Adam in Genesis 2.15 was that, Adam, you must cultivate the garden, and you must tend to it. What happened when Adam and Eve went into the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and did what God said not to do was that now Adam transformed from a gardener to a farmer. And Adam's work begins to change. And Adam is, is, is no longer the cultivator and the tender of the garden. He's, his work is now changed such that there's friction. Um, it's now changed such that, 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 that there's, there's toil and there's strife. But, but, but originally, Adam was a keeper of all beautiful things. And get this, and all things were beautiful. It's just how life existed before the fall. We only know things now as having to keep it up and having to redeem and having to renew and having having to to, to make sure that we clean and and cultivate. But before that, it just happened and Adam was just there to partake in the abundance that God provided for Adam and Eve. And now everything changes. Work even begins to take on a new form. Look at Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 17, and and, and let's let's unfold this. God says to Adam and Eve, after he speaks to the devil, to Satan, he says, cursed is the ground because of you. (laughs) Through painful toil, through your difficult work, God says, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, And you will eat the plants of the field, verse 19, by the sweat of your brow. You will eat food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Sin created dysfunction in the garden. And the very creation that Adam was given the commission to cultivate and to care for is now altogether different, and now the ground is cursed. Rather than being a gardener, Adam is now the farmer. Rather than creation producing everything that man needed, now creation is undergoing decay, and man must work diligently to satisfy his very basic needs. The fall did not introduce work. The fall just changed the nature of it. According to Genesis 3, there's now friction in our labor. (laughs) You get this. You understand this. We're now conflicted by our work because that's not the way humanity was originally unfolded. That's not the way it was originally established. And now we're literally fighting hell to get back to the garden. Genesis 3.19 says you're literally going to work yourself to death. (laughs) You're going to work yourself to death. You're going to have opposition. You're going to have thorns. You're going to have thistles. And so we rightly understand that work is not a consequence of the world that we live in. But the nature of our work is. I think that's so good for us this morning. It's difficult. There's opposition in your job. There's difficulty in how you work and what you do. And that's a result of the fall. The nature of our work is now changed. We want to quit. We want to go back to the garden. Where Adam was a gardener, now we become a farmer. And so we have this thought. We come to this place that most of us arrive at on our worst days. I wish I could just escape. I wish I could and in essence what we are saying is, I wish I could go back to the garden. Why does my work have to be this difficult? And we know from the record of Scripture and the story of Scripture that that's just the nature of how it's always going to be. It's never going to change until God rolls it all up and establishes and renews every living thing when he returns. That's just how it's going to be. That's the expectation that we have to have. But but rather than escape the commission that God gave us, the charge that God gave us, listen to this. This is where it gets good. God. In his creativity, in his ingenuity, and in his infinite wisdom, God now takes the new nature of work and he almost recreates the purpose for why we do it. the the thought that we have to work and that we should work is original with humanity, Adam and Eve. It's original in the likeness of God. But now that that purpose twists a little bit and it turns a little bit and we find our motivation in a different way. We don't now just work because the earth produces it and we partake of the goodness. We are now um, producing some of that. We are now participating in the decay of all things and renewing those things. And so this is the third motivation for why we work, okay? Okay. This is the third motivation. Number one, we work because, because it's in the likeness of God. We work because um, we work because it's God's original commission. And then finally, I want you to see this. Our work, our work is a function of redeeming the cursed universe. Our work is a function of renewing and restoring the cursed universe. If you're if you're a creative this morning. I want, I want you to, I want you to just, just dial in just for the last couple of minutes, okay? According to Scripture, by the sweat of our brow, in all of the creativity that God has given us, we go after the cursed earth using all the creative gifts that God has given us because we're made in the image of God and, and, and by the creative gifts that God has given us, here's what we do. We now work to extract all the goodness and all the richness of this planet that we can extract. It's, it's a different world. We, we, we take what God has given us now and our responsibility and our unique joy in work is to now take what's decaying and to extract all of the goodness that we can out of how our universe is now decaying. Um, there are people and places and things that give us this idea and this sense of awe when we see this work itself out. I don't know if this is true for you, but I love New York City. Anybody love New York City? Um, I love to walk through the streets of the city i particularly love to go to the top of the empire state building and kiss my wife like it was the first kiss and we overlook the the entirety of the city and how it was mapped out and gridded out and planned out and we see the 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 brilliance and and the engineering and the ingenuity that man has cultivated in the city There are places and and things and people that we look at and we understand the awe of the responsibility that God has given us. Um, um, Some of you make music. Some of you make beautiful music. I saw La La Land this weekend. Have you seen it? You should. It's amazing. And I, I, I listened to the soundtrack yesterday probably three times, Andy, I kid you not. I listened to the soundtrack probably three times. It's so amazing. Um, I have a friend. Is it weird to say you like La La Land? I love it, okay? I'm Out me, that's who I am. I have a friend who lays fiber optic cables on the bed of the seashore across the Atlantic Ocean and the Caribbean Ocean. Does that, I, I mean... Like, maybe it doesn't, like, blow your mind. Maybe you're the engineering type. You're like, oh, yeah, I see that. And then there it is. And the first time he told me that, I'm like, wow, what? What? How, impossible. Like, like, if you know the average depth of the Atlantic Ocean, it's two miles deep. The, the, the greatest depth in the oceans that we know is known as the Milwaukee Deep. It's near Puerto Rico. It's over five miles deep. I have a friend that lays fiber optic cable on the bottom of the seashore, on the bed of the seashore, so that I don't even know what it's for. I really don't, honestly. <laughs> but I have this suspicion that it somehow makes life better. Right? Like, 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 I don't know, maybe I can call somebody in Puerto Rico now, whereas I couldn't before it was on the seashore, right? Like maybe the internet works over there now, and we can commute. I don't know how it works, but I just know the creativity and the ingenuity that God gave us is now a product of it's now a product of our work. And we participate in the renewal of all things. We extract all of the goodness out of creation that we can possibly extract, and that's now one of the joys of our our work, when you look at the civilized world, when you look at the civilized world, you guys can play underneath me if you want. It'll just sound so much better. When you look at the civilized world and you look at the, the, the parts of our world that are just beautifully built out, you, you understand this. You, you get this picture and this idea that, that, that this is one of the joys of our work, and we understand that work was always designed by God post-fall, it was always designed by God to draw out the goodness in creation. And so we fight against the curse of decay. And you do it every day, by the way, in ways you may not even consider work, but it's a great illustration for your work. Um, I had a pool in the last house. See, doesn't that sound so better when that's playing behind me? It just sounds good. I had a pool in my last house. Every spring break as a youth pastor years ago, I would take kids around the world on mission trips we'd be on different continents i would take about a week and a half my wife would go when we had kids Um, she would go on vacation and i would go on mission trip and we would always go around the time that the pollen hit and so when i left to go on mission trip there was beautiful sparkling blue water in my pool when i came home it was it looked like uh, it looked like swamp things you you understand this like like i wasn't there to tend to it i wasn't there to renew it and to redeem it you understand this go away from your home if you live in a house and you have grass to cut i do i don't cut it i pay somebody to do it but if they didn't show up for six weeks or six months and you came home you understand I, i i need to be there to renew this to redeem this. Go away from your apartment. Leave it, your apartment window open for a month. You go home for Christmas. You've left the window open for a month. Come back to me and say, you will not believe all the living things in my apartment. You understand the renewal of all things. We work to redeem things. And that's part of the nature now of the work that we've been given. We participate in the renewal and the redemption of all things and the beauty of our work. Is that we extract the goodness Out of creation And we do so because it provides value Think about this It it provides value for your life At At its very core Work provides for your basic needs If you have a family It provides for your wife Or your husband Your kids You may be keeping your mom Or your grandmother with you It provides for your family Your immediate family But listen to this The great commandment that God Jesus gave us in the book of Matthew was that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, everything you have, everything you are. Love God. The second commandment, what do you say? Love who? Your neighbor as yourself. At this very core, work provides for your basic needs, but listen to this. In addition to extracting goodness, it also provides for those around you. It provides to sustain needs of those who have it. I planned on finishing this today and I am I'm not even going to go back to it next week because we'll never finish it I should have done a three week series on work but if I didn't got all the way to the end today I would go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and I would go to verse 6 and I would probably go all the way to verse 15 and, and I would look from a New Testament perspective what Paul says about work how he talks about it as being a moral virtue how it's vital and important and impressive to us to sustain us By it, we extract all the riches and benefits of our own lives and those we're committed to care for. And now listen to this last verse and I'm gonna be done. Psalm 104, starting in verse 19, says, he made the moon to mark the seasons. This is talking about God. And the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night. And all the beasts of the forest prowl, the lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God the sun rises and they steal away they return and lie down in their dens now listen to what he says then people go out to their work (laughs) to their labor until evening you get up in the morning you go to work the sun goes down you come home for six days God said I labored according to Exodus 20 took a day off the nature of my work is that that's just it it's the privilege the priority of humanity so we go to work in the morning we finish in the evening by it God designed work to redeem the curse in some sort of a way I don't know where you work I don't know what you do you may be a barista you may be a checkout person you may be a tax person, you may be a musician, you may be an actor, director. I don't know what you do. You may be thinking, how do I redeem work? How do I redeem the curse and the decay of all things? And how do I participate in the renewal of life as we know? It? I don't know. <laughs> but I know you do, according to scripture. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. I wanna pray over you just for a moment. And I wanna charge you this morning to extract from this creation everything that your God-given powers can extract. It's your charge. It's the nature of your work in the new world we live in. We're still doing that every day, fighting against the curse and in ourselves as well, but we can work to redeem this cursed universe we can in a way and that is one of the beautiful privileges of our work listen to me the renewal of all things i hope that'll help you as you approach your work this week if it's been difficult to get up go to your job you know that it's not in vain nature is different than it was originally intended but there is a purpose and that purpose is a god-ordained purpose the renewal of of all things I want to pray for you I'm gonna sing a couple more songs and we'll be done Jesus I thank you that you are not a flippant God you have not established and ordained and created and put into order and left for chaos even in the midst of our decay and seeming chaos Lord you have given us purpose God, in the very thing that many of us struggle with daily, hourly for many of us, you said there there is great purpose. There's great meaning. And even though everything around you seems to be going, Lord, you have said the beautiful thing is that you participate in the renewal of those things. God, I pray that you would recharge our work. You would reset our work this very week. God, you would allow us to see it not from conventional wisdom, biblical wisdom and scriptural wisdom and be charged in a new way to love you even greater. To love the work that you've given us even greater, as difficult as it may seem. And God, may you give us by the spirit of the living God the ability, the creativity, the wisdom to extract out of every ounce of our work, every bit of goodness in our creation that you would allow us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.